0: We don't need a name, we're a team. Your, your name is Team. You're on a tight leash too, bro. Wayne Haskins. Mr. Glass Carson Wentz and his offense. Prime time! boom Yeah, I love your optimism. I had to get a tall boy for the event. The New York Football Giants. Deep, deep sleep. Deep, bro. Al Michaels is showing up to work. Nate Solder, get your ass in the building.
1: <laughs> Dude, you should see B-Wills' face right now. He's so giddy. Appreciate being a part of
0: the show, guys. Yes, sir. That was as great as I thought it could be. <laughs> When the NFL season kicked off four months ago, there were 16 teams in the NFC. We are now down to the final four. And after a giant upset and a dominant Dallas win, three of those four teams just so happened to be in the NFC East. John Warman, we are the best division in football. Good to see you, my friend. Holy shit, man.
2: Sorry, I know this is a family show, but bro, this is crazy, man. I mean, it's freaking awesome for the division. It's not great for my team, obviously, as I've noted through uh, through text with the in the group chat recently. Kind of a bummer to be uh, the one team out of four on the outside looking in, but at the same time, um, you know, what's the old all tides or high tides raise all boats, right? So, yes, sir. I'm hoping next year. These three teams fighting for playoff teams can only make us better.
0: They will. And I I truly do believe it. And I think it speaks volumes that the fact that the Washington Commanders barely missed the playoffs, that they were on this cusp of where we're sitting right now. Let's get into it. Uh, The uh, New York Giants had a huge upset as they defeated the Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. Shout out to uh, GVR and myself for calling that. Well, Giants primarily
2: went, GVR. You secretly yes. told us that you felt like you needed
0: to keep things balanced, and that's fine, and that's and that's fine. And we <laughs> it, it, we it, we need transparency on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you believe the in Giants. the G-men, though.
2: I, I do. I I do believe that you actually believed in the g Man.
0: I really do. It, it, and and kind of this week, they're 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 making me lean a certain type of way. The Giants show up to Minneapolis. Some call him Daniel Jones. Others call him uh, Vanilla Vic. And th- this guy <laughs> I I, tr- I truly believe that Daniel Jones may have just created generational wealth for his family based on his performance this past Saturday. I mean, this dude plays the best game of his career with it all on the line. He goes for 300 yards, two passing touchdowns, seventy eight yards rushing, and the Giants, are the better team. I mean, when these teams played uh, a couple weeks ago, the uh, Vikings squeaked out uh, the the victory with the last second 61-yard field goal. But, man, Saquon Barkley in his first career playoff game goes for over 100 total yards. The touchdown that he had in the first quarter really set the tone. The way he hit the seam goes down the sideline shows explosiveness that I have not seen since he was maybe in Penn State. Very impressive. Isaiah Hodgins... A guy who uh, was on the practice squad, they elevate. He, God, I, I love to see it, man. And, and, of course, how many times have we said the word sexy, Dexy on the podcast? Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau in that defense. They play outstanding. And it's not even a bad game. For the Minnesota Vikings, I know I know everyone's g- gonna want to talk about uh, you know Kirk Cousins, it, and it's very bad w- when it's when the game's on the line and you need eight yards, they throw a three yard pass. It, it doesn't look good, but guys, Kirk Cousins goes thirty one for thirty nine, like that's, that's pretty damn good. TJ Hawkinson, one hundred twenty nine yards. Like the the uh, the Vikings played very good football, but a Dory Jackson was not there the last time these two teams played. And Justin Jefferson is held to under 50 yards receiving. And for me, John, that's the story of the game. Jefferson doesn't have a huge game. And the Giants do enough to pull off the upset in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, that's huge, right? Obviously, we talked pre-pod about, and your, and your cousin mentioned uh last pod, Justin Jefferson, one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in the league. So to hold him to a stat line like that is super impressive from the Giants defense. And we've talked about it all year long. I think most of that comes down to coaching. I mean, you've got some good players on this defensive side of the ball, but for the most part, it's probably a mediocre roster at best um, on both sides of the ball with the Giants. So so the the natural thing to do is to attribute the, the success to coaching. And we've talked about it all year. dable has got these guys fired up and they played one hell of a game. You mentioned Daniel Jones, and we have we have said, and, and I think all of us have kind of parodied or parodied each other uh, throughout the season that the Giants' success we felt largely was based on Saquon Barkley, and yes. we felt like Saquon Barkley was the identity of the team, and I think for much of the year he was. But forget about the Eagles game, right? Uh, a week and a half ago that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Giants played backups for the most part. You go back to the game where they beat the Colts. Daniel Jones, 11 carries, 11 rushes, 91 yards. Uh, and also 19 for 24, 177 and two touchdowns. He ran the two touchdowns in. But then this game against, you know, a playoff uh, playoff game against a contender uh, that, you know, they narrowly lost to. Daniel Jones, 24 or 35, 301, two tuddies, and another 78 yards on the ground for 17 rushing attempts. Daniel Jones kind of took over these last two games that they've played. He really has kind of come to his own in this Giants offense, and it's pretty damn impressive. Um, we talked a lot at the beginning of the season about how we thought he may not be on the team at the end of the year. I mean, if he's taken them into a into the divisional round of the playoff games. Uh, And I think that Dayball and crew is going to have a very hard time, especially if he puts up a good performance here against Philly uh, next week. They're going to have a tough time uh, with their decision on what to do at quarterback next year. And I think Daniel Jones is making a pretty good case for himself to, to stay a New York Giant.
0: How do you not resign him at this point? I mean, I will credit Brian Dable all day. You know, I've said it over and over again. He is the coach of the year, not just in, in our division. The the entire NFL, Brian Dable is amazing what he's done with his team. The New York Giants haven't won a playoff game since they beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And Mario Manningham was making toe drag swag. They haven't even been to the playoffs since Odell Beckham was on a yacht. It's I mean, this is a blue blood franchise in the NFL. It is it is better for Bro, this podcast the National Football League.
2: Everything Brian Dable is about flies in the face of the last three years as a Commanders fan because Ron Rivera has sworn up and down it takes two to four years to build a franchise. Brian Dable came in here with a bum roster, uh, a not guaranteed quarterback because financially, uh, contractually, or proven on the field, and just did it. He just said, "No, we're just we're." We're going to the
0: playoffs. And, and he brought a staff with him. George highlighted Wink Martindale last week. He brings in Enominal. Wink Martindale. The blitzes that he was throwing at Kirk Cousins made him uncomfortable the entire game. And on offense, now now Mike Kafka is getting interviews. I believe uh, the Carolina Panthers just interviewed him for the head coaching job. What the, what he took from Buffalo, and we have to credit uh, general manager Joe Shane that, that came from Buffalo. They took that Buffalo Bills franchise and and they really injected it into New York and you see Josh Allen in Buffalo there is some regression he didn't look good against the Dolphins last week so some of that could be attributed to Brian Dable and he certainly takes some of that Josh Allen magic he put it into Daniel Jones Daniel Jones plays the best game of his career in the New York Giants I think now come into the Philadelphia with a full head of steam, a team that they almost beat with backups a, a few weeks ago. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But guys, this team is for real. The New York Giants, this is not a fluke. I think I think uh I think that the Vikings, they kinda they kind of got hosed here. Like like everybody is coming down to Minnesota that they're a choke job. This is a 13-win football team, and they just got beat by I say a hotter team, and it's uh, it's all a tribute to the New York Giants for me. I mean, dude, we talked about it.
2: I mean, the last time that these two teams played, it was a very close game. So, I mean, Absolutely. I'm not surprised by this result. I picked the Vikings. I thought that the Vikings would, would ultimately uh, be the more uh, experienced team, the more playoff-ready team, but I, I'm not shocked by this. I mean— the Vikings were suspect all year long, and you got Daniel Daniel Dimes store Josh Allen essentially, and yes. and the guy that made Josh Allen Josh Allen. So, yeah, I mean, dude, this is this is going to be interesting. Obviously, we'll talk about this game in a little bit. Now, you mentioned stealing a little bit of your thunder here, Brian, but you mentioned that Daniel Dimes had one of the best games of his career, maybe of the season. Yes. It's another guy who had one of the best games, I think, of his career, possibly of this season. That's your boy, Dak Prescott.
0: We're going to get to Dak a little bit. I hope everybody got their boost of the Dak scene this week because I doubled down on it. Uh, But let's uh, let's talk about uh, Dak Prescott and let's go to Monday Night Football where the Dallas Cowboys put a nail in the coffin of Tom Brady's NFL career, at least in Tampa Bay. We'll see where he goes (laughs) next year. Uh, first I want to bring on Jay Ludes and give uh his thoughts on what he thinks about his Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, sorry about that awkward silence, guys. But Jay Ludes isn't here tonight. Apparently, he didn't want to about talk about oh. his Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I understand why, oh. guys. This was this was not even a competitive game. I spoke about it last week. Normally, when the Dallas Cowboys lay an egg as they did in Week 18 against Washington. They rebound with a great game. And John, you said it. Daniel Jones probably played the best game of his career. And I believe that Rain Dakota Prescott probably played the best game of his career. Throws for 305 yards, four passing touchdowns, runs the ball for 24 yards, and a rushing touchdown. A QBR of 96.5 on a scale of 100. I am so proud of Dak. The running game wasn't really there. Tony Pollard did have 77 yards rushing on only 15 carries. He was great. But Zeke, only 27 yards, two yards a carry. Couldn't really get an established running game. We had a great turnover by J. Ron Kirst. Tom Brady threw his first red zone interception, and I don't know how long, so that was clutch. But this is all about Dak for me. Micah Parsons uh, contributed with a sack, but the, the Cowboys' offense was relentless. Uh, Dalton Schultz, handsome Dalton Schultz, George Van Riper, your lookalike, two touchdowns over 90 yards. He's on the franchise tag, probably made himself a lot of money. Michael Gallup gets in the end zone. C.D. Lamb gets in the end zone. Wide this open was, in the end zone. Yes, why? Yes, why? And this and this is uh, Carlton Davis, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield. This is a very good Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. Vita Vea. Uh, you know, the fantastic defensive tackle for the Bucks couldn't manage to get any pressure. And I'm going to contribute that to Tyler Biotish being back on your center for the Cowboys. The offensive line played very well in pass protection. And that's why Dak was able to play a great game for for a Cowboys fan that hasn't seen his team win a road playoff game since <laughs> uh, Jimmy Johnson was the coach. Just, you were just a child, maybe. Yeah, since since I was just a boy, uh, <laughs> Dak, uh, Dak Prescott joins Matt Ryan, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers as the only quarterbacks to throw for three hundred yards, have four passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown in a playoff game. I I think that Dak may have finally lived up to that good contract. I hope that he can keep that momentum going. But just it just warms my heart just to see them put this kind of performance on. A lot of pressure. Monday night football. It's a road game. And I feel pretty good going into San Francisco. How about you? Yeah,
2: man. You definitely should feel good going into San Francisco. Um, I think that it's very easy for folks, and I feel like a lot of the storyline has just been like, well, obviously we were just waiting for Tom Brady to drop off, right? And obviously that's just that's the reason the Bucks you know, that's the reason the Cowboys got the better of the Bucks. That's that is not at all what I watched. Um, yes, Tom Brady had his struggles, but he's still the GOAT, right? Um yes. I think a lot of that has got to be credited to Dan Quinn and the defense doing a very yes. good job, uh putting pressure on Brady, probably giving looks or giving uh or or standing standing up in, in coverage well enough to confuse Brady. He was throwing a lot of balls at the ground that were just, yes. they weren't balls that you looked like he was confident in completing. So whether or not that's Brady, uh, you know, feeling the pressure and wanting to get rid of it quick. So he's just kind of dropping the ball to the floor or no one's open and he's just giving up on the play. I think Dallas's defense did a phenomenal job against uh, Tampa Bay. The start of the game Flip side, Tampa, Tampa Bay's defense, you know, the the first four or five series did a really good job at stopping the Cowboys and the Cowboys continued, you know, their game plan, put their foot on the gas pedal and got it done. Um, You look at the stat line and you look at the score. And I think that when you look at, you you mentioned Dalton Schultz, 95 yards, two touchdowns, seven receptions, C.D. Lamb, 68 yards, one touchdown, four receptions. Michael Gallup, five receptions, one touchdown. These stats, to me, indicate that the that the Cowboys were firing on all cylinders. They were playing chess, not checkers. For C.D. Lamb to only have four receptions, but to make that big of an impact the way that he did, I mean, he was standing wide open for that touchdown. Same thing with Dalton Schultz throwing that seam ball that first touchdown he scored he he essentially was wide open um dak and the cowboys offense was firing on all cylinders even though the run game didn't kind of stack up to what you think i think they kind of did what you needed them to do to keep the to keep the the progress of the offense going but dude honestly i mean this was this was dak's win this was a big time win and i thought it was so funny uh, on the sidelines, obviously, you guys had a huge issue with the kicking, oh. and I think Dak felt like I'm having the best game. You see him; he's pissed on the sidelines, watching Maher misses second, third, fourth, and he's on the sidelines, fucking throwing his helmet. And you're like, in my head, I'm thinking Dak is having the best game of his career, and he's thinking uh, this is going, to, it's going to get ruined by the fact that Brett Maher can't make yep. a damn extra point.
0: It would, I dude, just as I w-
2: you got to be super encouraged. Sorry,
0: no, I, w- I I am encouraged. As I was watching this game, uh, out at the uh, the Port Richey Hooters, that it's kind of crazy. The Bucks fans continued to uh, to heckle me that Brett Maher kept missing field goals, and I was like, dude, we we don't we don't oh, excuse me, uh, uh, point after touchdowns. He misses four extra points. It's the uh, the first time. In the history of the National Football League, they started keeping stats in 1932, and never in a game has a kicker missed four extra points. Well, Brett Money Maher missed all four of them, but we didn't need him. Uh, love to see uh, the clip that that is it's going around social media of uh, C.D. Lamb picking him up on the sidelines. You know, Brett Maher's been very good for us this year. He's kicked multiple 50-yard field goals. He's even kicked a couple of 60-yard field goals. They signed a Tristan, Tristan Vizcaino. He's he's kicked for both the Cardinals and Patriots this year. He's on the practice squad. Uh, from what I've heard, he is going to remain on the practice squad, and yeah. Brett Maher will be our kicker they're in San not, Francisco.
2: They're not. I don't think they're moving off of, of Maher. I think that would be a bad move. I think that Maher, you call him money Maher all season. I think that you keep him in, and I think that he can be a huge boon uh, to the team going into this next round.
0: I agree. I agree. He had, he had his absolute worst game. He will ever play as a yeah. kicker. I'm cannot, sure from this game, cannot
2: get worse from here.
0: And we're going to need him against San Francisco. This is going to be a much tighter football game. And, uh, for me, the fact that we were able to get through that football game without him being able to connect on anything, says a lot more about Dak, the offensive line, and certainly that defense. So, so very happy about my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, And before we get into the uh, divisional playoff round, just want to rattle off some uh, stats about the greatness of our division. Uh, This is the first time since 1997 that three teams from one division are going to be playing in the divisional round. It's the first time ever that three teams from one division are going to be playing since the NFL realigned in 2002. So we got some historic stuff going on, guys. It's a very high possibility that we could have an all-NFC East NFC Championship. It's a 100% probability that an NFC East team will be playing in the NFC Championship. Uh, Let's start off, John, with uh, the uh, Saturday night special. Guys, be sure to uh, tune in Saturday night at 8.30 on Fox. We're going to have the New York Giants traveling to Philadelphia because of course the Eagles got that number one seed and they're going to be playing the Eagles. This is the third time the Eagles and Giants have played each other in the past six weeks. This teams know each other very well. Now, of course, in week 18, the Giants rested their starters, so we can't put too much on that game, but go back six weeks ago. I think that the, uh, the Giants lost 46 to 20 against it. healthy 22. Forty-eight twenty-two. So th- this, that's a that's an absolute beatdown. Uh, we've talked about the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers the entire year. I know that the Giants got a Jackson back, Xavier McKinney uh, at free safety, but AJ Brown in his first year in Eagles uniform, one thousand four hundred ninety-six yards receiving. That is an all-time Eagles record, and the number two receiver, Devonte Smith, ninety-five catches this year. Oh, by the way. That's also an all-time Philadelphia Eagles record. Dug. This this Eagles team is... The late. Batmans. Yes, so we got the skinny Batman. We got the swole Batman. Who else is out there? All fast Batman. Quez Watkins is out there too. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he said this week that uh, he has a bounty on him and that the Giants are going to be coming for that injured right-throwing shoulder. I believe that they will. But Lane Johnson, the all-pro right tackle, uh, he was graded the highest... Uh, right tackle the best right tackle in all of football i think this philadelphia eagles offensive line is going to be able to protect jalen and i don't think he needs protection to be honest with you you can call me
2: the lane johnson didn't allow a sack i think in something like great like two years two two years full football seasons or something crazy like that and
0: they and they've got uh on the other side they've got my they've got uh the All Pro Dickerson. Uh, th- this is this is the best offensive line in of football. Not only that, it's probably the best defense in football. I know that they're they're rusty. They didn't look good Week 18 against the Giants, and they shouldn't have because Jalen Hurts has, has been out. And I I think I understand the Giants fans saying that they have a shot in this game, they because they have so much momentum. And I actually wanted to let a, uh, a New York Giants fan, our, our good friend Joe Bob, friend of the podcast, come on before John goes and tell us all about why the Giants can possibly win this game. Absolutely.
1: Hey, guys, Joe Bob here. I was actually sharing share my opinion about this weekend's matchup between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. As a Giants fan, I must say I'm very happy and proud of my boys. It's been a very long time since we have been in the playoffs. The last time, obviously, was the whole yacht pitcher incident. Uh, But I will say that they did amazing last week. Danny Dimes, I mean, I think, in my opinion, had the greatest game of his life. And it was his first ever playoff game, which proves to me that this boy can play under pressure. Um, I won't lie. I was a huge critic of Saquon Barkley. But going into this season, I really thought he was done. But he shut me and the rest of the haters up because he's had an amazing season. Even last week, he did great. I I want to say he rushed for 109 yards, something like around there. Um, but let's talk about the Eagles now. I mean, 2-0 and against us. Um, I, I got as much as I hate to say it. They had the best defense, at least of all teams in the playoffs. And let's not lie, they are favored to win, I think, 7.5 points. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough game for the Giants. It really is. And, uh, you know, I... I really wasn't that worried with the Vikings, but i, I hate to say it, but I'm—I'm I'm worried about the Eagles, obviously. Um, but I also, in the back of my mind, think about Jalen Hurts, and uh, he had a pretty, you know, pretty bad shoulder injury. And as much as he claims he's ready, you know, the pressure, you know, of the playoffs, having, you know, the team also having a, you know, a rest week, a bye week. I—I uh, I don't know the Giants' momentum. You know, the, you know, history has proven itself. I mean, when the Giants get hot, they get hot, and especially against the last team they play in the season. Let's not forget two thousand seven. So, but I mean, let's face it: it's different team, different era. But I think Brian Daboll has done an amazing job motivating, keeping them healthy, keeping them going. I think that the Giants are going to win. I think they're going to be victorious. I think it's going to be down to the very end. But I think the Giants are going to win, and that's not me being a typical biased Giants fan. That's just me being realistic i think that the giants have a great motivation right now um on a separate note i'm rooting for cincinnati too because living in upstate new york has shown to me how much i dislike buffalo bills and their fans no <laughs> offense to most of you so go to cincinnati b george love you boys haven't seen you in a while i plan to come down here soon uh nfc East, great show i love listening to you guys have a good night all right bye
0: and we love you too, Joe Bob. And he throws a little bit of salt there in the Buffalo Bills. That'll be a great game against Cincinnati. Joe Bob believes in his Giants, and I don't blame him. If I was a betting man, and if Jay Ludge was here, I would take the plus seven and a half. I think that I the Giants cover the spread. But, John, for me, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I think they prove it on Saturday night. I'm going to take the Eagles 27-23. to 23. How you see it?
2: 27-23. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your sentiments there, man. It's like there's this is one of those games, I think, where um, now I will say as an NFC East fan, I don't know if I've ever talked about my uh, my breakdown or my tears of hatred. Um, Obviously, the Cowboys come first because I'm a Washington fan. <laughs> but God of the Eagles grown in my list of hated teams in the division over the years. And I just have always had a soft spot for the Giants. I have never really hated the Giants. We've never really gotten heated with the Giants, I feel like historically, Washington. And so there's always been a little part of me that kind of likes them. I like their uniforms, I like their colors, kind of those classic red, white, and blues, red, white, and silvers. I there's my gut wants my heart wants the Giants. I'm sorry. But my gut is obviously just like my gut, my head tells me the Eagles are the better team here, right? So I, you know, I looked back at the last couple of weeks that they played each other. And obviously things were skewed because the last the last week uh of the season, you know, it was all second string guys on the Giants. They already knew that they had they had uh made their playoff spot. So I reached out to a buddy of mine in one of my fantasy leagues. I've known him for a really long time through college, uh, Kerry Sobel. Shout out Kerry, if you're listening. Um, but I just wanted to get an Eagles fan's perspective on how are they feeling about this game, because the Giants are clearly uh boosted right they just won they just won their first playoff game in a long time they got hot throughout the season and they've been a better team than most people predicted so i just kind of wanted to know what an eagles fan thought and carrie kind of just summed it up in a couple of different things but you know he said it all rides on healthy things for the eagles he's got you know questions or concerns about hurts obviously but then also cj um in, in the defensive backfield and then lane johnson who you just talked about Um, who we just talked about being one of the best tackles in football. At full strength, Kerry thinks this game's a pounding, right? No problem. And we saw that the first time that they matched up, 48-22. Eagles had literally hot knife through butter. No problem. Um, But the Giants are hot. He agrees. They got momentum. Um, They've gone on a much deeper run than most people thought they would. And they've got Saquon Barkley, who is a generational running back possibly, right? he agrees though with us and i think we've kind of chirped this sentiment all years that the giants roster needs a couple of years right um he's got them 27-20 um i think this is going to be a closer game like hey, so he's obviously got them covering the spread also you got him covering the spread i think it's just going to be a this is going to be a blow for blow game um i think that the giants offense has found a little bit of a rhythm I think that in the last couple of weeks, with Daniel Jones passing the ball and moving the ball with his feet, I think that they have found a way outside of Saquon Barkley to win games. With all that being said, Philadelphia's defense is very good. And if Jalen can do 75% of what he was able to do throughout the season, they shouldn't really have a problem winning this game. No matter how close it stays, I think at the end of the day, I think that you view the Eagles as the better team. So I'm gonna say
0: 24-20 Eagles. A tight game. We all got it pretty pretty close. So this is gonna be a good old fashioned NFC East matchup. Just so happens to be in the second round of the playoffs, which is the cherry Crazy. on top. Awesome. And uh, we're all on the Eagles here on the East Feast, and there's a good reason for it, guys. Uh, the New York Giants have not won a game in Philadelphia since October of 2013 it has been a decade since the giants went to lincoln financial field and pulled off a win i don't think they do it this week but i do think they are ahead of schedule and that joe shane brian dable and that franchise has a lot to be proud of this year we'll see maybe they'll prove us all wrong and they'll end up in the nfc championship let's finish up with the final game of the NFC Divisional Playoffs. This will be Sunday night, 6.30, on Fox. It is my Dallas Cowboys traveling to Santa Clara to play the 49ers. So fitting, John, that uh, the 49ers eliminated us last year from the playoffs. We get through Tom Brady the GOAT. It's only fitting that if, if we are going to have a road to the Super Bowl, we have to eliminate the team that beat us last year. The 49ers have won at least ten games in a row. If I'm wrong, it's eleven. They are on an absolute roll. This kid, Brock Purdy, they call the guy who gets drafted last in the NFL draft, uh, Mister Irrelevant. That was him. Crazy. He's to think he's about. missed he's Mister Irrelevant. To be a quarterback. I cannot How often believe. How does that happen? I mean, they start the year with Trey Lance. Uh, they wanted to, you know, uh, get get the first round pick in there. He fractures his ankle. They bring in uh, old handsome Jimmy Garoppolo. He <laughs> gets hurt. And now Trey, uh, excuse me, uh, Brock Purdy is under center. He has never lost an NFL game, but I like it, John. I like that we're facing the rookie because I was looking at the San Francisco 49ers. I was looking at their their schedule. And since Brock Purdy has become a starting quarterback, they've beaten, Oh, uh, let's see here, They've beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a beleaguered Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've beaten the Washington Commanders. They've beaten the Seattle Seahawks twice. They beat the uh, Las Vegas Raiders with Derek Carr uh, out. So they had Jarrett Stidham as a quarterback. I don't think this kid has really faced competition. I don't think he's been rattled. And I believe that my Dallas Cowboys defense can rattle him. If you put a gun to my head right now and you ask me who would I rather have under center on Sunday night, Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy, I I would rather have Brock Purdy. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has already won playoff games. He's went to a Super Bowl. Give Great. me the inexperienced the inexperienced kid. When yeah. I watched the first the first half of that Seahawks Niners game last week, Brock Purdy did not look good. Of course, he found his uh his rhythm. Uh, And it helped with Christian McCaffrey uh, rattling off a 60-yard run. It helped uh, throwing off a dump pass to Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel, as he always does, gets, gets the yards after catch. This 49ers team is so complete. Their defense is the best in the league. They have a fantastic offensive line. Shout out to former Redskin Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football. And when you've got George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey, it's the best plethora of weapons in all of the NFL. But I think the key to me is making Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And also another key is going to be finding some holes in that juggernaut of a defense of the San Francisco 49ers. And to me, that starts with their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. And John, D'Amico Ryans this week had not one, not two, not three, four head coaching interviews. He flew from Houston to Indianapolis to Denver to Carolina. This guy hasn't been with the team the entire week. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are are that hard to game plan for. You know, we do what we do. You you know what you see on film. But when your defensive coordinator isn't in the building, it gives me a little bit of confidence coming off a deck. Prescott's best game he's ever played that we can assemble some sort of offense. If Tony Pollard can average five yards per carry as he did against the Buccaneers, I don't think the Buccaneers defense is that much worse than the 49ers. I think Charvarius Ward, their number one corner, is very good. Other than that, I think their defensive backs are susceptible. As far as just a football nerd, the coaching matchup of Kellen Moore versus D'Amico Ryans and vice versa, Kyle Shanahan uh, versus Dan Quinn, it's as good as it gets. I think that other than the Eagles, this is the cream of the crop of the NFC. I think we're in uh, we're in store for a very good game. Las Vegas uh, has been floating from a three and a half to a four point favorite for the Niners. If the Niners are the home team, Vegas is telling us that this is a pretty even pick'em. So if Vegas thinks this is an even pick'em, I'm going to give confidence in my kicker who just missed four extra points. I think Brett Maher redeems himself, and I got my Dallas Cowboys going to the NFC Championship. 27 to 26. How about you? Oh, Let me hear. How about them cowboys? How about them cowboys? Woo! <laughs> That's
2: what I'm talking about, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I like a lot of what you said uh, about your boys, but also about the Niners, right? Because I feel like I've been watching some of the Niners stuff all year, all year long, right? Obviously we all pay attention most to the feast, but The Niners are an interesting team because they were picked early on as one of the NFC favorites, and I think that they've kind of proved that they should be. But there are some times where I just think, like, I watch the Niners, and I just, it makes me think, I mean, obviously they played a lot of the division, but I think to myself, like, what are they really doing that just makes them that much better? And is it the talent on the field? You add uh, Christian McCaffrey to the team, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, my gosh, yeah, maybe, right? You've got one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, the defense is playing outstanding, and Debo Samuels, you know, has fought through some injuries but has been prolific again this season. But then you also look at, like, again, how much better are those players than other players on NFL rosters, right? Because, I mean, the NFL is is the, the highest, you know, 0.1% of, of football players in the world. And then you look at Kyle Shanahan and I told you pre-pod, I have loved Kyle Shanahan since he was with uh, a little bit since he was with Atlanta, but when he joined the, the Washington uh, Redskins at the time, uh, he just, he gave me the best year of football in my life, watching him coach RG three and just basically uh, essentially designing an offense, you know, out of nowhere, that quickly to fit a quarterback. Um, it kind of goes to show you what he's been able to do this season amid quarterback injuries, right? They fluctuated between three different quarterbacks, two of which he was comfortable with one of which, you know, is new to the team, but they haven't missed a beat. And Kyle Shanahan, I think has got to take a lot of the credit here because they've done a great job offensively of scoring points week in and week out. Now, you made a good point. They, you know, haven't played so many great teams the last couple of weeks, but they've, they've also played some decent defenses. I mean, the bucks have a good defense. They put 35, they put 35 on the bucks. The commanders were more known for defense than offense. They put 37 on us. We had some injuries. Sure. But, um, so, I mean, you know, they've played decent teams throughout the year and they've had some battles, but they've also put some games away pretty quick. So, um it's a tough opponent man I don't think anybody wanted to go through the NFC ending up in the playoffs with the 49ers on their schedule so it's going to be a tall task for your boys um as you mentioned their defense you know maybe better than the Bucks roughly better somewhat better massively better regardless the Cowboys have to come out offensively and do what they did last week. And that's going to be Dak finding open targets uh, quickly because Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa, right? Nick. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is going to be coming in, coming after him um, and that whole 49ers defensive line. So Dak is going to have to be getting the ball out quickly like he was uh, the last game. And Tony Pollard and Zeke are going to have to make plays, right? I don't necessarily know that they have to go over 100 yards, right? Because we just watched this last week. They didn't – neither of them stunned you or wowed you, but the runs that they made at critical times in the game is what really put them – it kept you guys ahead of the sticks. It kept you guys in first down uh, distance, and it kept the passing game open for Dak. Dak was able to be comfortable, right? Um, So I think that's the biggest thing is going to be figuring out, to your point – your offensive scheme while the 49ers defensive scheme may be on vacation right now, taking interviews. Um, Now I doubt D'Amico Ryan's like, gosh, the guy is I've heard it all year long. Washington's looked at him as a, as a future head coach. He's, he's a celebrated guy right now. So I highly doubt he won't be prepared for this game. So um, flip side of the ball, Brock Purdy and, and company, it's hard to not make plays when Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuels, George Kittle, uh, and Brandon Ayuk are your you know, starting skill players. Uh, they shouldn't have any problem, uh, unfortunately, with, with Dallas. I think that it's going to come down to Dallas' defense making plays because I don't think the 49ers, honestly, offensively, I think the Dallas Cowboys are a very good defense, but I think they have met defensive uh you know, quality defenses throughout the year. And I think that it's really going to come down to the leadership of Micah Parsons. Um, and the fact that again, we saw Leighton Vander Esch last week come back and I think it allowed Micah to be the defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, to be more creative with Micah Parsons like he was, uh, his rookie season where he won rookie of the year. Right. So I want to see a big game out of Micah. I want to see him, Uh, with a lot of pressure on not just Brock Purdy, but also Christian McCaffrey. I can see a lot of them kind of uh, having Micah keyed up on Christian, um, making plays either from like a middle linebacker-esque position uh, where they're playing, you know, like a 4-3, to him just getting after the quarterback. Um, And that obviously will shake things up, get pressure on the rookie quarterback, and then also allow your... uh, your your secondary not to feel so much pressure. Absolutely. This is going to be a tight game, dude. I honestly think so. I mean, I really don't think that the 49ers are going to run away with this. And like what a classic matchup, man. I looked uh I look, just looked up on ESPN just to quickly see the uh you talked about the the current over under being so or sorry, the current line being so close, but I wanted to see what the over under was and just those those colors, right? I mean, this is just like one of those matchups, this is just a blue blood matchup in the NFL. Yeah. The freaking golden red or whatever they call themselves versus these freaking blue and silver uniforms look so good. NFL knows what they're doing. They got this as a, you know, obviously they're all prime time games in the playoffs, but prime time, prime time. In Santa Clara, gosh, dude, B. I want your Cowboys to win because I want to see you happy, but. I think, that the, I think the 49ers pulled this one out, man. It's going to be a close game, but I think I got the 49ers 24-23.
0: 24-23. I respect it, man. This is a great team. I mean, you talked about the history of these franchises. You think about Joe Montana. You think about Steve Young. You think about that great Terrell Owens catch back in the day. And the Cowboys, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman. I mean – I think Deion Sanders won back-to-back Super Bowl switching sides from the 49ers to the Cowboys. This is what the NFC is all about. I mean, the 49ers, this is the only team that I can think of that on defense has all pros at all three levels. Nick Bosa uh, at uh, defensive end, Fred Warner at linebacker. And I think his name is Hua Funga. something like that. They're, they're all pro safety. They're so good, man. It's, it's going to come down to the quarterbacks. And at the end of the day, as good as Brock Purdy has been, I think the Dak Prescott that we saw last week is the Dak Prescott that we're going to see on uh, on Sunday night. And for that, uh, I, I'm going with my boys, but I'm probably a little bit of a homer. I totally understand you and anybody else going with the Niners.
2: I mean, regardless, though, as a as a Cowboys fan, as an anti-Daxer, right? Some of our <laughs> listeners, you gotta be you gotta be happy with the production with the with the look that the Dax gave you last week. Um, if you lose a close game here, right, I say twenty four, twenty three, it could most it could also be twenty seven, twenty eight. It could be yeah. a close game. Cowboys could win this game. I wouldn't be shocked. You gotta be happy with your quarterback that you spent a lot of money on because there were some woes this season. There were some question marks. But I think he's shown you that uh with the right coaching and with the way that the offense has played the last couple of weeks, you gotta be pretty pumped about that.
0: Oh, I sure am. And I just, I, it's just so fitting to me that the Cowboys lost to the Eagles when we had Cooper Rush, our backup quarterback, and then the Eagles lost to the Cowboys right. when they had Gardner Minshew, their backup quarterback. I think Things could have been different. Th- Things could have yes. been different this year. My heart over my head just wants to see Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott in the NFC Championship. Same. I'm not, sh- not sure if it's going to happen, but I sure do hope uh partner do you have any final thoughts before we go into a uh, divisional playoff weekend no
2: man i don't think so i think i'm just again i'm really
0: pumped obviously i wish that my my
2: commanders were here um but i'm just pumped that we get to continue talking weekend and week out with each other we get to keep speculating about NFC East football and uh the fact that we just have three teams here and i think it just makes the division better moving forward
0: Oh, it makes the di- division elite, my friend. We are doing things that have not happened since the 1990s, and you will all enjoy three NFC East teams playing this weekend, and we are guaranteed, no matter what happens, to be right back here next week talking about an NFC East team in the NFC Championship. Perhaps it will be a division matchup. Maybe it won't be. But either way, we shall see you next week on the NFC East. Blue!